0: Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Taylor Dennis, Senior Wealth Design Specialist and Vice President of Altius Financial.
1: And I'm Mike Williams, the founder and president of Altius Financial and our podcast co-host.
0: Yeah, so today's episode, Sold on Gold, don't forget the question mark, <laughs> focuses on the potential value of purchasing precious metals and really just how to hold those assets. Of course, we're going to jump into our disclaimer so, you guys know, we're not telling you to go out and just buy a ton of gold. This is really just kind of an educational discussion around maybe this value. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of investment advice or financial planning. No advisor client relationship is formed by the broadcasting of this episode or your listening of what we say. The use of this information or any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content in this podcast is not meant as a substitute for professional financial advice. If you're needing specific financial advice for your situation, please reach out to your certified financial planner, or if you're interested in learning more about our firm, our people, or our philosophy, feel free to reach out to us through our website, which is altiusfinancial.com, or contact us directly, by email at taylor at or michael at just so you're aware that is altiusfinancial.com so i think we've talked a little bit on this platform about the value of holding precious metals but it might be helpful to kind of start there um, mike i think you've shared with clients and friends and family and on all, all of our workshops and stuff kind of your thoughts around the basis for holding gold, and it might be helpful to dive into that a little.
1: Yeah, well, briefly, um, gold has historically been the basis of money itself. Um, we don't necessarily consider gold an investment. I mean, you have to distinguish between um, savings and investing and in speculation. And... You know, a person saves – in today's world, people when they're saving, they think, oh, a savings account, which means I go to a bank and um, I put my money, my dollars um, into this bank and they have a vault back there storing the money. But it used to be that you would have your money, the dollars, the paper dollars that you have either – today, you know, not that many people even carry around paper dollars, but the dollars that represent the value or the currency that you're wanting to, to save and spend – those were backed by gold, that gold itself was the real money. And that's partly the, the concept that we want to get people across, is that for, for something to act like money, it has to have a number of different attributes. It has to serve certain functions. One of the main w- functions of, of money is, you know, can you buy stuff with it? Or formally, we call that the medium of exchange. You know, can, is it something that people would trade with? um and people do trade with dollars people trade with uh in fact that's the most common currency in the world today not just the US but you know most most of the world in some sense or another uh has to pay attention to the value of dollars and can they buy stuff and sell stuff in dollar terms so that's the medium of exchange function of money but it also has to have sort of this store of value and that's a phrase that you know economists use for describing money but what does it mean what does it mean to store your value it means if you're not wanting to consume let's say you've produced you've earned you've worked you've you've earned some money through a job or or whatever you're doing you've earned some money somebody paid you uh, some value in terms of money and you're not wanting to spend it all you know you're like i want to save i don't want to spend it all right now i'm not going to consume all the the earnings that i have i want to save for the long term well i want to store the value of that i mean uh, i remember a phrase Ayn rand had this phrase of money's a frozen form of productive energy i always like that because it was your life your energy that went into producing that 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 money and that energy and but you're wanting to save it you're not wanting to spend it you're not wanting to consume it and gold has traditionally done that and the main reason it's done that is because it's it's got certain attributes it's it's rare uh it's shiny and pretty most most human beings like the way it looks they like the the metal itself um So it's rare and it's durable and it's, and it's desirable. And that's a perfect combination for basically serving that function, but it has problems, right? And the problem is that it's heavy. Um, and because it is rare, you know, you don't want to have to walk around with it all the time and it, it doesn't work with electronic payments or anything like that. So there's some problems that it has. Um, but it has typically been a good store of value over long periods of time f- re- literally for thousands of years of history the problem with paper money is that that it gets inflated or devalued um, when you can print money which governments who uh, who print money invariably do they print too much and therefore all the other dollars out there they're they're you know eroding their value or l- being worthless if you don't have any more wealth in the economy but you have more dollars that are pumped into it then each dollar potentially is worth less money or worth, worth less value. And so that's a, an, a maybe a long-winded answer, but a very short reason, if you look at historically, short kind of reason why people should consider to have precious metals, you know, primarily gold, but also silver, potentially uh, platinum and other precious metals in their portfolio, to, to have sort of a hedge against uh, that monetary instability.
0: So let's say – Say I'm listening to this today, and I'm not telling anyone to go out and buy gold or anything. But say someone is saying, "Okay, no, I've I've thought through this process, and I am inclined to purchase precious metals. Um, Does it have to be coins, or can you say does jewelry suffice, or is that the equivalent, or you know, like is there a standard for? Okay, well, if I if I want to say that, okay, yes, I want this to be my protection against." instability and this is kind of my hedge for like a uh uh-oh situation well that's do you need coins or do you want bars or is jewelry good or is one better than the other
1: so my view is that uh coins and bars are, are better if you're trying to have that be a piece of your portfolio and we want to distinguish that kind of thing from from uh, what I call paper or financialized gold, where we buy and we do this frequently for clients, where we buy an ETF or a fund, mutual fund that has gold companies in it, maybe that has some bullion in it, but you don't get to hold the gold. It's you know it's in that abstract thing we call a mutual fund or a, a portfolio, so to speak. Um, but in one sense, you're right. You know, if you own some jewelry, it's got gold content and um, it has real value, and um, it will go up and down. Really, with the price of gold as well, if it's got you know some good gold content in it, depending upon the grade of gold, but the reason why I like the coins they're more identifiable in terms of the value uh people know they they come in increments of like one ounces or ten ounces or bars like that, so a person can uh very easily get someone or they they themselves or get someone to say yeah this is this isn't false or fool's gold this isn't um you're not trying to uh Defraud me um it's not hard to actually find out whether you have real gold there, and it's countable in the sense of well, it's an ounce of gold. and so what is the price of an ounce of gold right now versus how much gold is that pair of earrings I got from my aunt Susie yeah you know really, what is the
0: carrot weight of that right, right. so those it's easier. Earrings, but it, yeah. but
1: it but that is another function of gold is it can easily be melted down and it it has that that sort of uniformity it's an element you know it's an actual element in the world. And so, therefore, every uh, atom of gold is really the same as every other atom of gold, and so it's yeah. they it can be used that way. And that is, you know, anecdotally kind of interesting because there are a lot of cultures out there that don't have the developed division of labor system that we do. They don't have the bank, sophisticated payment, payment and banking system that we do. And many people in those cultures, that's what they will do: is they will they will use jewelry as their store of value, partly because they want to be able to, if they need it to it escape, to leave, right? yeah. you know, If they need to escape a, an oppressive government or thieves or something like that, they are wearing their wealth and, and it's easy to get away. Um, but in our case, uh, we generally think, you know, don't necessarily count that. Um, you know, most people buy jewelry. If they're purchasing the jewelry themselves, they're buying it for a different function, you know, the adornment function. The jewelry function versus an investment function, but if you let's say you inherited a bunch of jewelry, then I would kind of count it that way myself.
0: Okay. Well, and then if you are doing it from a jewelry perspective, is would that be you'd likely be overpaying, right? So, like from someone looking at it as how do I do this, how do I purchase precious metals, you're likely paying more to yeah. buy it in the form of jewelry because that's the craftsmanship, right? There's a premium, on maybe that. a brand or absolutely, something. Absolutely. Absolutely is there a strategy for purchasing? I mean, do you want to just, if, if gold is gold, do you want to just purchase the cheapest gold you can find? Do you just find the cheapest buyer? Or well, when you say the cheapest,
1: stri- I mean, most uh, coin dealers or people who sell minted coins, uh, I, I would say it's important to understand the difference between uh, currently minted coins, uh, and by current I mean within the last you know, decade or even 20 years or so, um, something that's minted by one of the major mints in the world. And there aren't that many of them. You know, The U.S. has a mint. Uh, the Canadian government has a mint. There's also the Australian. Uh, China has a mint that they, they mint the panda. Uh, each one of these coins oftentimes has a sort of signature design, like the panda from China or the eagle from uh, America or the maple leaf from Canada or the philharmonic from the Austrian uh, mint, but you, you, you want to be sure you're buying from a mint like that. And, but in that case, they're all the same. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of difference and distinctions between if they have a design, a certain design on them, that might be the supply and de- demand factor from that particular country's mint. So you might be able to get a, a, uh, uh, Canadian maple leaf a little cheaper than you can get a Eagle at one point, And then that might flip a little later on. And then one coin dealer might be a little bit more efficient or do a lot more volume so they, they can give you a better deal. And it's important, like anything else, you, want, you, know, you don't want to overpay for something. Certainly, you, over, you pay a lot more for uh, weight. Uh, um, and therefore, if you're buying silver in volume, you're going to pay a lot more to get those silver coins than you are the same, the same value for. Uh,
0: what do you mean by that? Well. Like you pay more in weight. So
1: silver is a lot more common, right?
0: Yeah. Well, so like th- the fact that silver costs less per ounce? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So if you're saying I want to I right now allocate my portfolio to say I want $20,000 worth of gold and $20,000 worth of silver. Yeah. Well, that $20,000 worth of gold, you could hold in your hands. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't do that with the, the silver. You're going to have boxes and boxes. You're going to have a lot more coins because yeah. they're, they're a lot cheaper. Um, so you have to kind of balance that out. Um, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling here. I don't know if I answered your question. I mean, you know, one point is buy you know, reliably minted coins, then you need to make the distinction between those current coins versus what we call pre 1933 coins. Uh, there was a point in the U S history, and this is back during the great depression where our government and other governments outlawed the holding of gold, gold coins. Meaning that they said, well, you can't, you actually can't have that. It's illegal. And they required you to turn it in. They did pay you some money. They set the price, although the price was actually lower than what it was trading at before. But they set the price and said, okay, here, we'll, we'll take your going from your coins from you and you get a certain amount of dollars. Um, so things that were minted prior to that time period, older coins have what we call pneumostatic value or collector value. And they can be uh, valuable in the sense that they might be taxed differently than currently minted coins uh, and treated differently by the government. Um, well,
0: so are all the pneumostatic coins that are out there, does that mean all of those were held illegally because people didn't give up to the government? Well, or did depend- the government redistribute these coins later on?
1: Well, they did, they did eventually start circulating, you know, coming back into circulation. But um, they may have been held from a different country. A lot of the the coins that you get that are collectible are coins that are issued from some other country Uh, that might have been from Norway or something like that. Um, So you're seeing uh, over time when people pass away and their heirs decide, well, I don't want this pile of gold or uh, I have something else I want to do with the sword value. I want to buy a house with it or whatever it is. And then they start to say, okay, I'm going to sell these off in an estate sale. And those coins now end up more in circulation. Um, So it depends on the circumstances. But there is that distinction between is it a coin that is older uh, pre-1933 as well as the distinction about does it have some collector value because of the design or the rarity that it came out with. Again, if you're buying an American Eagle, it's a beautiful design. I don't know for people who haven't actually ever held a uh, a gold coin in their hands um, it's a it's usually their great artwork it's amazing the the artwork that's on the coin itself um, but sometimes that adds value if it's an older coin that has a unique artwork, then that can add value but it's a dangerous thing for just a uh, a new buyer of gold coins or silver coins to start to say well here i can I can assess value because there are people out there who will tell you, well, because it has this design or is from this year, it's a lot rarer and they will charge a lot more than just the basic gold or silver content. And what we're trying to get at for most people is to say, okay, have part of your portfolio just you know, represented by the gold content versus all the other things that might be true value or inflated value that someone might you know, kind of get you talk you into buying more than you should or paying more than you should for that same value.
0: So what would you say if someone said, okay, sure, I agree. This is probably a reasonable decision for me. How much should I be buying?
1: You know, that depends on uh, a couple of factors. I mean, the reason why a person would buy gold in the first place is because they don't have as much trust or they're beginning to distrust other instruments that they could put their money into, whether it's the bank or um, the stock market or real estate that they're starting to say well I want more of a long-term something that has a long-term track record of preserving my value um and so if you if you begin to lose faith or confidence in the financial system in which you you're operating then it's a hedge it's like an insurance policy you're saying well I maybe I'll continue to participate in the financial system I'll still have you know a bank account and a stock market account and so forth but I want to hedge. I want to say, you know, in case things really go bad, I want to have some gold over here. That's why a person would buy it. And and so.
0: And you would choose gold over cash because I, I can imagine some of our listeners might be sitting there going, well, yeah, maybe I don't want to invest in bonds or maybe I don't want to invest in companies. And maybe that's risky. But oh, I, why don't I just take it all out and sit in cash?
1: Yeah. And that's a, that's a good approach, except for the fact that we have this concept of inflation. Yeah, And inflation boils down to, you know, having too much money in the system and therefore the existing dollars begin to devalue. And you know, just to make it real simple, most people who are paying attention to the news have seen, well, the U.S. inflation rate has crept up to 8.5% or maybe 9%. And that means if you held cash for a year and that, you know, that, let's say you had $100 that you're holding for a year. Well, next year you might still have $100. But it can only buy, say, you know, 90-some $90. 90 yeah. dollars worth of uh, products and services. So you're not storing your value very well if it's inflating. And, and if you get yeah. to double-digit inflation where, you know, literally you're losing 10% of your value every year or, you know, God forbid we have hyperinflation where you're losing 10% every day or, or worse than that. I mean, in the worst-case scenarios, and I sometimes show people a, a currency piece from Zimbabwe— or other countries that have gone through hyperinflation, where you know literally the the currency uh, goes down in value daily, and you're not really storing your value, you're not really storing your ability to consume later on, you're uh, you're losing value. So uh, precious metals typically will store their value over long periods of time. You can buy the same amount with them, no matter what the price of dollars are. You're you're going to be able to be able to buy the same kind of value. So you're storing, you're doing a better job of actually saying I I did freeze my productive energy, as I said before.
0: So with the current inflationary environment, is now a better time to increase your gold holdings or is now just a good time to make sure you have an original holding and you're maintaining it?
1: That's a tough question, right? And that goes back to I didn't even answer your first question. Um, Yeah, what percentage or how much? If you're really concerned, then you you probably should have have a higher percentage. If you're like, no, these kind of crises come and go and – And I know that there's some cyclicality to the stock market and to economies and, you know, we're going to have that kind of thing. But ultimately I'm confident in the stocks that I hold or the real estate I hold or the combination of diversified assets that I hold, then you're probably okay having less. My view is every person, if they're an investor, um, you know, once they accumulate a certain critical mass, I mean, obviously if you're just starting and you're you're trying to to save some money and you have maybe three four five thousand dollars saved up. I probably wouldn't be buying gold at that point. I might be buying a little bit into a mutual fund or something like that, but most of your portfolio shouldn't be in gold um and that's generally true i mean, but let's say you get to a million dollars in a portfolio. Well, my view is that every million millionaire out there should have some of their wealth in actual physical gold, not just the ETFs or the financialized, you know, the 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 kind of gold exposure we can give them. I think they should have some percentage. Now, what that percentage should be is dependent upon how how much risk they think there is in the system. I think 5% is a decent number for most people. I think if you have if you have 5% of your wealth in gold, in the worst-case scenario, you're not going to you're not going to preserve all of your net worth or assets, but you're going to be able to start over with that 5% or be able to really be able to uh, have a great start on accumulating assets that have really depreciated in the stock market or or some other place. Um, That's sort of a minimum rule. I have seen clients want as much as 20, 30, even 50% uh, of their overall net worth in precious metals. I think that's pretty skeptical about what the future of the world looks like. I personally don't have that, but there's a whole range there um uh, of of what a person might feel comfortable with. And there are other okay. things like that. There are other hard assets, quote, hard assets that a person can buy. You know, real estate is one of them. Um it it usually will do well in in an environment that uh is inflationary.
0: So it doesn't necessarily have to be all precious metals. It could be a combination of precious metals and real estate and other types of hard assets.
1: Yeah, how you want to hedge your portfolio. And generally and again, it, um gold isn't always a perfect especially on a short term p- time period a perfect hedge against inflation you know you can have inflation really do horribly you know go up a lot and and gold not perform that well it depends on the timing of it and it's very difficult to time that's why i would say a person should have sort of a policy uh, as an ongoing thing here's how much of my wealth i want to have in in this kind of hard asset but you can also do it with other hard assets including like we said real estate uh, other metals other commodities um and you know a person can store food they can store they can store other uh, other valuable valuable things you know uh, diamonds sometimes uh, categorized as a hard asset or even artwork potentially um those have much less predictability with regard to uh their store of asset function but but you know the the bigger point is diversification is usually a good thing if you don't know what's going to happen to the world and precious metals are a good part of that diversification.
0: So now for our listeners who maybe maybe they already have precious metals or they recently purchased them, what's the recommendation for where to store these? And I, I kind of already know the answer for that is obviously a safe. But what do you tell people who don't have a safe in their house? I mean, is there somewhere – I mean, do I just stick them under the rug and – Hope I've got a whole level that's flat enough so nobody can tell there's coins under there. And and this
1: is where it's really individualized, both with regard to what kind of hiding places do you have and how good is your memory (laughs) (laughs) and how much risk you want to take. I mean, there's always risk. I mean, if you put your money in your bank and you have inflation at 9%, the risk is that you're going to lose purchasing power. If you put your money under the rug, there's the risk that you're going to forget about it or someone's going to come along and find your hiding place. So there's always risk and the question is what's the right risk for you um i there is an argument to say well if you have something that valuable if you have you know a good percentage of your net worth in gold coins then put it in a, a safety deposit box at the bank i tend not to agree with that i tend to think that that's that's um you know defeating the purpose because if if you really did have an emergency situation where uh, the financial system was that dysfunctional and you were wanting to say, I need to liquidate some of my gold coins, you probably couldn't get into the bank. Yeah. The bank would be shut down for at least for temporarily. In fact, we had, the, during the 1930s, we had things called, quote, bank holidays. And they call them bank holidays, but what they meant is we're closing the bank because we're not going to give you your money back and we're not going to give you anything your safety deposit backs. So you won't be able to get at it. And my point is it's better to probably store it safely somewhere where you have the ability to access it. But that brings up other issues like, well, can you keep it safe? Can you remember where it's at? And you generally want to keep it a secret that you've got gold. Um, you you probably want to share with a, a trusted family member where it is if you've got it in case something happens to you, but certainly a safe, certainly yeah. a safe that is not mobile, you know, not one of these little, um, you know, Home Depot uh, <laughs> specials that you just kind of sit on the uh, your closet, um, you need to have something that you can, that's heavy and maybe bolted to the floor and actually really can, you know, is maybe fireproof and, and can protect both your coins and, uh, potentially other, other important assets or, or other documents. Okay. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, um, again, as you, you said at the beginning, Taylor, this is not an investment recommendation. There is a question mark about sold on gold. Um, i have I personally believe that it's worthwhile to consider in a person's diversified portfolio that is unique I mean most of our 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 contemporaries or our peers or competitors really discourage people from holding physical gold. That's partly because they really can't find a way to get paid on it. I mean most of the people in our industry get paid by having assets under management and as do we. Uh, but we have uh, a deep conviction about financial planning and telling you the right thing to do even if we're not getting paid on a part of your portfolio. And so we do think it's worthwhile to consider. Um, If you think so as well and you want to get more details about that and you want to have an evaluation of your overall situation, your plan, your portfolio, and how gold uh, would maybe potentially fit or not fit in that, please uh, do reach out to us. Uh, We want to thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to follow like, and friend us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. All of these platforms are saved as alti as financial as one word. And we also want to invite you to tune into our Terminology Tuesdays. Every Tuesday we post a little bit of a definition or glossary type thing that says, here's a, here's a kind of a, a language or word that people use in the financial industry, and we're going to try to make it simpler and understandable, give you some context there. If you're interested in setting up a financial plan or have any questions, comments, learn about gold or other asset classes, uh, or if you have suggestions, please reach out to us. Feel free to reach out directly to us uh, at our email addresses, taylor at ltsfinancial.com. I say ltsfinancial.com so fast I should spell it out. A-L-T-I-U-S financial, all one word. That's altiusfinancial.com. So Taylor at altiusfinancial.com or Michael at altiusfinancial.com or www.altiusfinancial.com. You you get the picture. Reach out to us and have a fantastic uh, Friday. Capitalize on your Friday and your weekend.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening. (laughs)